Support for IPR comes from Des Moines Metro Opera, whose 2024 season features The Barber of Seville, Zalame, Peleus and Melisande, and American Apollo, June 28th through July 21st. Tickets available now at Des Moines Metro Opera.org. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Today is Horticulture Day. I'm Charity Nebbe. Holiday cacti are not demanding plants, but getting them to bloom reliably can be a challenge. Fortunately, Erin Style and Cindy Haynes are here with some practical advice for holiday cacti and other plants that are popular during the holiday season. Hello, Erin. Good morning. And Cindy Haynes, professor of horticulture at Iowa State University. Hello, Cindy. Good morning. Thank you both so much for being here. And all right, we're going to start with holiday cacti. And uh, first up, Erin, there are several different kinds of holiday cacti, right? Yeah, and they, uh, they a lot of them bloom around major holidays. So that's why this group gets that kind of moniker to, uh, to refer to all of them. Most of us have... Um, most of us refer to these plants as Christmas cactus, and there is a species or a hybrid that um, is specifically referred to as Christmas cactus. But a lot of us in our homes actually have what is more appropriately called a Thanksgiving cactus. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us, if we're seeing buds form on our plants right now or it's just beginning to bloom, probably have that species or hybrids of that species um, uh, as, as the plant in our home. All right. So the Thanksgiving cactus that blooms from when to when? It's it's about this time of year through December. Typically, the Christmas cactus, that particular hybrid, is about a month behind uh, the Thanksgiving cactus, give or take. Um, but of course, there's a lot of different factors that bring these plants into bloom. So it can vary a little bit, even year to year, depending on how you treat your plant. But they, they do pretty reliably bloom kind of... Uh, late, late in the year. All right. And then the Christmas cactus, that's that's later in the season. So it really is blooming mm-hmm. around that holiday and then into February, right? Yeah, it can be as late as February, depending on the, the situation. But most of the time it's blooming um, kind of uh, mid to late December, somewhere in there, which is which is apt for its name. All right. And then the Easter cactus <laughs> is significantly yeah, that's later. A Yes, it is. It's a it's a different, uh, completely different species, and it uh, most of us probably aren't growing this particular species, but it's out there, and it blooms in the spring instead of the fall, and it is much more complicated to get into bloom. It has a lot of different factors that bring it to bloom. It also occasionally also blooms in the fall, so uh, it, it very reliably blooms April. Um, kind of the April, May, March, April, maybe May range, but usually March or April. And then um, we'll maybe bloom in the fall, but not always. Christmas cactus have this really interesting um, requirement of both a certain day length and a certain temperature to bring them into bloom. And most of us have those conditions in our homes this time of year, so they naturally just come into bloom, and we don't have to actually have to change a whole lot to see flowers. But if we're not seeing flowers... You have to look at both day length and temperature to make sure that they're both in a line uh, to to get those get those flowers back. All right, so let's talk about basic care for these plants because they are pretty low maintenance, right? Oh yeah, they are. This is one of the reasons why they end up being so long lived in our homes, and and there are there are many families that have a Christmas cactus that their aunt grew or their grandmother had. Uh, because they don't require repotting very often. In fact, they'd rather just be left alone. 
Um, many of them can be in their pots for many, many years without repotting. They don't mind being a little bit pot bound. Um, and so that combined with the fact that they're very uh, tolerant of low uh, moisture levels in the soil. So if we forget to water them, they're usually just fine unless they're in bud or bloom, then we lose the flowers. But most of the year they're not. They're just chugging along, doing their thing, and they don't mind being on the dry side. Um, and they tolerate our indoor light levels very well, too. So you put all those things together and you have this plant that uh, can survive years and years with pretty simple care. And they're actually pretty easy to propagate, too, right? So if you have one of those heirloom yeah. plants, you could take a cutting, have a cutting for every grandchild in the family, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and if it's been around that long, it's probably large enough to easily take those cuttings from. Christmas cactus have this really interesting kind of um, uh, morphology in that they they have these flattened stems, and uh, those stems are technically called phylloclads. That's the trivial pursuit um, answer for the day. Um, uh, so phylloclads are these flattened stems that act and look a little bit like leaves. The plant actually doesn't have any leaves on it for, for the most part. Instead, uh, they have these big, flat, segmented stems. And if you have, all you have to do is take uh, a section of stem that has three to five of those uh, segments in it, bury the bottom one or two in uh, either a really well-drained potting soil or perlite would be better, uh, let it root in, and, and usually it takes about, I don't know, maybe six, four to six weeks to root in. And uh, you'll you'll have a new plant to start growing. All right. So we're we're talking about these plants being so easy to care for, and they live forever, and and all of these wonderful things. And yet, how often do you hear people complain because their holiday cacti do not bloom, or ever, yeah, or, or when they want them to? <laughs> yeah. So we we uh, we sometimes hear that they're not blooming. The other thing I see probably even more frequently is that folks will get buds or even flowers, and they fall off prematurely. And that can be really frustrating because then often you have to wait a whole another year before you get another cycle of bloom. Um, and most of the time, if you're not seeing flowers, the first thing to look at is the day length. So these plants need a long night, a long in, uninterrupted night. And if we are turning lights on in our house or have a, a lamp that's on a timer or something like that, that can actually um, either cause the plant to bloom later than it normally would or not at all. Um, my my uh, Thanksgiving cactus last year bloomed on one half and not the other half. The half that was facing my house um, did not bloom because I had a light on most nights. Uh, it was in my dining room. But the light that was facing out towards the window was getting, or the half that was facing out towards the window uh, bloomed uh, because it was shaded uh, from the indoor light and okay. uh, was getting the right day length. It was kind of wild, actually. So, I mean, a lot of us, of course, have our plants in rooms that we use. Mm -hmm. So if you use the room and you're turning the lights on and off in the evening hours when it is dark starting at five o'clock now, um, yeah. that is going to be a problem for your Christmas yeah, cacti it can or your be, holiday cacti. Or, or, yep. Yep. It can be an issue. Um, you might get something like what I just described happened to my plant, or you might not see flowers at all. Or for many of us, it just means that they bloom a little bit later, um, maybe several weeks later than we would have normally expected them to. One of the things you can do to get around this is to keep this plant, because it is so low maintenance, you can kind of keep it in a spot that's a little less out of uh, 
normal kind of traffic area, like a spare bedroom is a great spot potentially because you're not in there as much um, most of the year. And then when it sets its buds, um, you can, as soon as those buds start to open, you can move it out to where you can appreciate it, enjoy it for the, it's usually about a week, maybe two, but usually about a week or so when it's in full bloom. And then shuttle it back into its its other other place to to hang out the rest of the year. All right. So it has um, to have its own bedroom is what you're telling me. It. <laughs> it could, yeah. You know, it's interesting. It, the day length for most of them is uh they need about um they need only only need about 14, 12, 14 hours of darkness about, which actually isn't too hard to get in most home settings. Um but if if that if if that darkness is interrupted, um, especially if if it you know if, it's, if you're not using the room until like ten o'clock at night every night, that can really throw a wrench in this because uh, the plants actually need an un, uninterrupted length of darkness uh, to measure kind of uh. the day length, if you will. That's kind of a very simplified way to talk about it, but uh, it's about the darkness, not the the about the length of the night, not the length of the day. So um, if we are interrupting that because we're using the room. You know, if we're using our dining room early in the evening, we may still see flowering. But if we have it in a room that we use more frequently later in the evening, um, we may see very few flowers or much later flowering as a result. All right. Now, so most of us can achieve these blooms, it sounds like, with a, with yeah. a little planning and understanding what's going on. Um, I think very yeah. few of us yeah. could achieve getting a poinsettia to bloom in our home, although they are very, very popular <laughs> this time <laughs> of year. So, so, Cindy, don't tell us how to get a poinsettia to bloom right now. But if you buy a poinsettia and you bring it into mm-hmm. your home, um, what should you do to make sure it stays beautiful through the holiday season? Right. So the first thing you're going to do on a day like today, if you buy a poinsettia, you're going to wrap it and make sure it stays nice and toasty uh, as it's traveling outside to your car. And so you're putting it into a warm car. So that's the, 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 the first and most important thing to do. And then once you get it into your house, um, you're going to put it in a, uh, a bright uh, location. So it's going to get some light or maybe it's light from... Uh, uh, overhead lights or it's near a window, but it's away from any drafty windows or doors. And then uh, you're going to water it as needed. Uh, wait until the top starts to dry out a little bit. And when you water, you're going to water well until the water drains out the bottom of the pot, maybe into that decorative saucer, and then you pour off that excess uh, water. Um, you won't have to water it very often. It kind of depends on how dry the environment is. It depends on how much light it's actually getting. Um, but if those are the things that you can do is just kind of keep it in a nice warm location with some bright light and water as needed. A, a poinsettia has been built now or hybridized, so it can last until Valentine's Day, um, St. Patrick's Day, and often will be continue in, into bloom uh, throughout Thanksgiving, Christmas, and well into the new year. You mentioned bright light. And of course, a lot of offices like to That's use hard... these plants to decorate with that kind of thing. But right. so right. so bright light is something that you need if you really want them to last. Although, of course, they can endure anything for a few days, right? They can endure anything, actually, probably for almost a couple of weeks. Um, but then, yeah, if you want them, they have, they still have to photosynthesize and those red bracts aren't photosynthesizing much. 
it's the leaves that are photosynthesizing. So you do need some bright light. If it's not near a window, you need some targeted lights on them uh, for an extended time if you want to keep them throughout the holiday season. Cindy Haynes, professor of horticulture at Iowa State University. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. You can find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. Support for IPR comes from Des Moines Metro Opera, whose 2024 season features The Barber of Seville, Zalame, Peleus and Melisande, and American Apollo, June 28th through July 21st. Tickets available now at DesMoinesMetroOpera.org. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. It's Horticulture Day today. You are welcome to join the conversation with your questions. You can give us a call at 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100, or send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. We've been talking about holiday plants so far, but of course you are welcome to join the conversation with your questions about any of the things you'd like to grow or grow better. With me today, Cindy Haynes, professor of horticulture at Iowa State University, and Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. And so, Cindy, before the break, we were talking about how to take care of a poinsettia so that it stays beautiful mm-hmm. if you bring one home. Give us the short version of how to get one to rebloom, because I know, you know, sometimes you have this big, beautiful plant at the end of the holiday right. season and you think, I'm just going to keep this. I can keep this growing and then I'll have it for next year. And it's it's sure. not an easy job. Right. You might want a poinsettia tree, you know, for next year. <laughs> so you can you can do that. <laughs> so obviously, uh, when the weather's nice, you can put it outside in the spring and the summer, and you're just going to water and fertilize it, and it's just going to grow big and green and beautiful. And then to get it to rebloom, usually the first week in October, we bring it inside, and it needs those long nights, those long interrupted nights every night um, until really about Thanksgiving or a little bit after when it actually starts to produce those colorful bracts. And this one is more insistent. Uh, about it than the holiday cactus. So you're going to, every evening, you're going to put it in a dark closet. You're going to put a box over it. You're going to put it somewhere that it remains dark um, from about 5 or 6 in the evening until about 6 or 7 the next uh, morning. And you're going to do that every day uh, for at least 8 weeks, maybe 10 weeks, until you start to see the red bract uh, coloration starting to develop once you see that good red color or white or whatever color it is, then you can bring it out and it can be in light 24 hours and be fine and it will continue. But you've got to give it that initiation period, which is a long time 
Which is why I buy a new poinsettia. Every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other thing I would add is usually the flowers aren't as big when you right. do it at home. Uh, so it's a little underwhelming sometimes when you finally do get it to rebloom. And the plants will get huge over the summer. Yes. Um, and so unless you're doing a really good job of pruning it back kind of midsummer to kind of keep it to size. My grandmother kept a poinsettia for years and got it to rebloom. And she went from like a, a good size Amazon box all the way up to like almost a like a kind of box that a range comes in. Oh, my goodness. Um, like a stove. <laughs> Um, It was crazy. It was crazy, but she enjoyed doing it, so it was fine. Well, that's why I say you can make a little tree out of it because it is going to get that big. It'll get very large. Oh, goodness. And I know a lot of people do that, but also you can support the Mm -hmm. Horticulture Club at Iowa State and buy their poinsettias. Or the the Horticulture. Or the horticulture industry, your local garden right. center. Yes, any any one of those places will sell you a nice poinsettia. <laughs> All right. Um, Tim has a follow-up question about the Christmas cacti. Erin, you mentioned that people complain about them getting the buds and then dropping the flowers. He wants to know how yeah. to prevent that. The big thing that causes bud drop-off, well, there's two things that can cause the buds to drop off or the flowers to drop off prematurely. One is drying out too much. So Christmas cactus likes to be on the dry side except for when it's in bud and flower. When it's in bud or flower, you cannot let the soil dry out to that like real dry spot that you often accidentally let it go to. Um, and it's just fine normally. But when it's in flower, you have to keep it consistently watered. Not overwatered, of course, but it can't dry out like it might normally do when it's not in bud or flower. The other thing that causes buds to drop off is a sudden change in conditions. So um, you have to be careful if, you, if you're the kind of person that uh, keeps it in a spare bedroom and then moves it out when it's in mm-hmm. flower. If you do that too soon, um, when the buds are too small, they may drop off because of that sudden change in light or temperature or, or those kinds of conditions. So if you are going to move it around, the best time to move it to a new location is when those buds are just about to open up. So they got color on them. They've kind of turned into these long little points. And then you're going to move it out to your dining room table so that you can enjoy it while it's in bloom and not hopefully see those buds fall off prematurely. So I know a lot of people who are really stubborn about when they turn on the heat in their home. Can that be a problem? Can you let it get too cool? And then you're like, okay, this date has passed, so now I can turn on the heat in yeah. my home. Can that, can that you know, cause those buds to, to fall? Maybe, especially if it changes dramatically. But uh, these these plants don't mind it a little cool to pull them into flower. In fact, I mentioned earlier that uh, a day length and temperature were the two major factors that need to come together. The temperature needs to be between about 60, 55, 60 to 70 degrees. If it's warmer than 70, it may not bloom, even if it gets the right amount of day length. But some species will, or some hybrids, will still bloom even if the day isn't long enough, if it's colder. So um, they can go as low as 55 and be just fine. And some of those hybrids, if they get 50, consistently get 55 degrees, they'll bloom even if the days are long. So hmm. sometimes you might even be able to use it to your favor. But the temperature we keep our house, even if we keep our house on the cool side, the temperature we keep our house is no problem for this plant and actually is one of the, is the appropriate temperature to bring it into flower. All right, all right. But if you're somebody who likes it really hot in your house, you might have a problem. 
theoretically. You might. That yeah. So if you're still providing those long, not long nights, those short days and long nights, and it's still not flowering, if it's consistently above seventy degrees, that is probably one of the things that uh, is delaying the bud formation. Right. Get out a sweater and turn the thermostat down. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the spare bedroom is so nice right? too, because we often keep a room like that cooler. Nice. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And since we've been talking about holiday cacti, Colette in Waterloo has a suggestion for us. Hi, Colette. Hi. Well, I know the Christmas cactus is so beautiful, but they can be tricky. And where I keep mine is in the kitchen, which gets lots of morning sun. And it tends to be a cool room because I'm kind of cheap when it comes to the heat. But what I do to mm-hmm. get it, um, it's dark time it needs, is I just put it in a cupboard. Oh. And so it's totally oh. dark until it's, you know, it gets its full amount of darkness, and then it comes out of the cupboard in the morning. Nice. And it works really well. <laughs> that is and a I great idea. I cupboard. need an empty cupboard in my kitchen that I don't <laughs> have, but that is a wonderful <laughs> idea, Colette. Thank you so much for sharing. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. Email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Jim in Colo has a question. He says, we're planning on cutting down some trees, but since we have discovered that some of them are trees of heaven, which I understand are highly invasive, I'm wondering, can they be controlled with cutting and intensive control of suckers as I would prefer to stay away from chemicals? Any advice is appreciated. You can uh, cut them down. You're probably, uh, with the tree of heaven, it's probably going to attempt to come back um, as well. So you might see some suckers. And the suckers are small enough when they grow that you can actually just cut them back with some pruners or some loppers. Um, So I think if you repeatedly do this, you can control um, this particular tree. So, yeah. So maybe even without chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. And grinding the stump will help a lot, too. Uh, It will. Uh, there'll still be suckers that pop up from the root system further out, but usually that ends up being in your lawn. You can just mow them off. So grinding the stump will be a big help, too. Thanks for the question, Jim. You can email your questions to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. You can call us 866-780-9100. Andy in Cedar Rapids asks... I planted a nine-foot-tall Japanese lilac tree this fall. I'm wondering what materials I use to stake it so it won't damage the bark. So um, this winter, for that newly planted tree, one of the things you'll want to do is wrap the lower portion of the trunk um, with some kind of like plastic tubing or a hardware cloth. Actually, uh, those kind of white corrugated or smooth tubes work really well because they help with two common issues that can happen to young trees, especially something like uh, this this tree lilac um, that have really smooth bark. Um, you could see sun scald injury. So this is where the bark kind of warms up um, in the sun of a, a mild winter day, and then it cools off really quickly when it gets dark at night. And that sudden fluctuation in temperature can cause the bark to expand and contract and potentially split. Um, and we notice that in the springtime um, when the tree starts kind of coming out of dormancy again. So if you protect that with that plastic tube to reflect some of that light and prevent that kind of drastic temperature change, we can reduce the amount of sun scald that happens. Once the tree gets larger, it's not as big of an issue. It's, it's really a young tree problem. 
Um, the other thing the tube helps with is rodent and rabbit damage. So in the winter, especially when there's a lot of snow cover, there's not much to eat. And the live tissue that's just under the bark, the cambium layer, is is enough. I mean, I don't think it's their first choice, right? But like in the middle of winter, it is something to eat that has some kind of nutritional value. And so they'll strip the bark off to get at that. The problem is that's where all the water and nutrient transport happens in the tree. So it can cause a lot of damage to the tree. And that plastic tube around the tree will help prevent the rabbits or any other uh, rodent from uh, stripping that bark off uh, in the middle of winter. All right. Thanks for the question, if it, Andy. If the tree oh, is, yeah. Go on, Aaron. Yeah, oh, the other thing I was going to mention, he mentioned staking. If the tree isn't leaning um, and still feels stable, don't stake it. It doesn't need um, – most of us stake trees, and we don't actually really need to. Um, it helps the tree to let it move in the wind. It helps develop good – I think the term that they use is stem taper, right? So right. Uh, it helps them – uh, develop better, and, and overall it'll be a stronger tree in the end. The only time we really need to stake is if the tree is a really small root ball, isn't stable in the ground, um, where it could potentially literally blow over because it mm -hmm. uproots itself, um, or it's in a very exposed location. And even then, we're only going to leave the staking uh, help on the tree for one growing season, maybe two, depending on how bad it is. But one is probably just fine. And leaving those stakes behind, that's a that's a problem that a lot of people have. They stake it and, and then leave that far yeah. too long. And that really can damage the tree, right? It can, especially uh, if we use the materials that we often use for staking, which are metal T-posts and wire. Both right. of, especially the wire can be really problematic. Even wire that's wrapped with an old garden hose <laughs> can be really problematic. One of the best materials you can use that's free and easy to use is uh, strips of old an old T-shirt. Um, it's flexible but sturdy. Um, you pick the right color and it's not that obnoxious looking. And it provides enough movement in the tree to allow that tree to develop that stem taper I talked about earlier. But it also um, is flexible enough and wide enough that it's not going to gouge or scratch or damage that uh, bark that's on the outside, um, which can cause problems down the road. All right. Let's go back to the phones. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. Mike is on the line in Des Moines. Hi, Mike. Hey. What's your question? So, um, so I have some I have some experience with like amaryllis, which I typically would like put in a pot right now, get them from um, mm -hmm. say garden center or whatever, and they bloom reliably. But it's hard for me to keep them alive for longer than a year. So, what do I do? Yeah, amaryllis is a, a lot of fun, and it's another one that can last a lot longer, but it requires some pretty specific care after it's done blooming. So after it's done uh, blooming and you remove that flower, um, you're going to treat that plant and those leaves as well as you can uh, for the next few months. That means putting it in bright light, maybe even taking it outside in a shady location um, in the summer. Uh, you're going to water you're going to fertilize, you're putting more carbohydrate or food back into the bulb that way, and the bigger the bulb, the better the bloom the next year. Right. The trick with, it, the trick with amaryllis is they require a dormancy period um, before they will bloom again. 
Um, and this dormancy isn't a dormancy necessarily caused by photo period or uh, by cold temperatures. It's a dormancy that's induced by drought. So usually by the end of summer, sometime in early September, about the time you're going to bring it back in, um, I will put mine and tip the, the pot on the side, bring it into a, a warm location, tip it on the side. And when I'm watering other houseplants, I know I'm not watering this one. I'm just letting it go dormant. Uh, drying until so do you cut the leaves, leaves back kind of, too? Yeah, I do. I wait until the leaves kind of dry out and then I cut them back. That way it's recycling as much as that carbohydrate as it can get from the leaves. Um, and then I'll tip it up and then I'll just wait. And you'll kind of have to wait until you see that bulb uh, start to try and regrow again. This can be a month. This can be a couple of months. It can be as long as three months. Um, but when it starts to see a little bit of green and growing again, then that's the time that I repot it. I water it again. Um, and hopefully it regrows and reblooms uh, for me. It's a little bit tricky, um, but well worth it. Um, and it will tell you how well you treated it the year before and how well it blooms the next year. <laughs> yeah. So it's a nice reward. You've made me pretty yeah. happy. You know, you've made me pretty happy because I think I've done the right thing. Now, do I actually need to repot it or can I leave it in the same pot? You can leave it in the same pot. I often repot it just so I can uh, inspect the bulb um, and then also give yeah. it some new soil. And then in that soil, there's usually a little bit of a starter fertilizer I think, which sometimes helps, um, but you don't have to. Uh, after two okay. years, you're probably going to need to repot it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot for your call, Mike. And, of course, this is a another thing that a, a lot of people mm -hmm. just buy every year and support uh, the horticulture right. industry with that. I also, Cindy, I know you're a big fan of the, the wax-dipped bulbs, which mm -hmm. take absolutely no care at all, right? I think that's why I like them, um, because there is no care. You don't have to water anything. It's just a bulb that's been dipped in wax, and it's usually gold or red and some, sometimes sprinkled even with snow um, or what looks like snow. And you just set them out on uh, near a window or on your desk, and they bloom. And when they're done blooming, um, you pitch them, um, unless you're Richard, uh, and who I must say I gave him a wax bulb, once and he took the bulb out of the wax and planted it and then two years later gave me the bulb back when it was blooming because he took care of it so well. That's fantastic. Well, well I didn't and, recommend that. Right. <laughs> and, and that I, was a lot of work. That it was, it was a lot it of was. work, but he's, he's, He's That's up to Richard. it. Right, That's exactly. Richard. And yes, my, my son had um, one of those bulbs and then didn't throw it out and left it completely neglected in his bedroom. And it actually bloomed again the next year, a smaller bloom. But we were all really shocked and also a reminder wow. to clean house every once in a while. All right. Yeah, this, well, we are, this is, that is good. But that's, in, that's impressive. We need him as a horticulture student. <laughs> we are going to take a short break. We'll be back with more Horticulture Day in a moment. This is Talk of Iowa. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. 
There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. It's Horticulture Day today. I am Charity Nebbe, and you are welcome to join the conversation. Give us a call, 866-780-9100. Send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. With me today, Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist, and Cindy Haynes, Professor of Horticulture at ISU. And Bob is up next in Carlisle. Hi, Bob. Hello, Charity. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. My question is a little bit strange, but I've listened to a gardening program on the public TV uh, from, I guess, from Tennessee, and they talked about that the Bradford pear roots could actually uh, severely affect the growth of a uh, Japanese maple that is actually kill it. There's some type of chemical they're putting in the ground. Now, is this also true for a, a walnut tree? Could this also do something like this to a Japanese maple? So walnut tree does produce a, a toxic uh, chemical called juglone that's toxic mm-hmm. to certain things. Um, generally, the toxicity of this juglone is more focused on tomatoes and potatoes and members of the Solanaceae family. There are some other things, other trees or other uh, shrubs um, that may be impacted. But Japanese maple can usually tolerate the shade of different trees. Um, I'm not sure if Japanese maple would be in, infected or impacted at all by a black walnut. Well, this, right. this tree is about 10 foot away, and it wasn't there originally when the Japanese okay. maple was planted. It has come out since the Japanese maple has been planted over the years. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't there originally. Right. So maybe that Japanese maple, are you noticing any signs or symptoms of the Japanese maple being more yellow and less vigorous? Because that's what usually well, is. Well, I've noticed that, but, but I, have had a I have had a professional arborist uh, look at it, and I couldn't find anything that was actually causing it to uh, defoliate in certain branches. Okay. Because the other problem we have with Japanese maples in Iowa um, are sometimes just the cold winters. Um, so there might be some, you know, winter impact or winter injury on some Japanese maples, which are marginally cold hardy. Uh, of course, in Tennessee, been, that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But I haven't noticed the regrowth in some of the areas I did that back this summer. It's all starting to leaf out again on some of those limbs. Right. That's probably a good sign, actually. Um, what the the. The allelopathic chemical, the juglone that walnuts produce, um, is going to cause, it's going to look more like the plants just um, struggling, right? Like it's going to be an overall kind of yellowing. It's going to be a big reduce in vigor overall. If you're seeing certain branches being impacted instead, um, and otherwise the plant looks relatively healthy, the first thing I would look into is is probably um, winter winter dieback. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Another thing, you know, sometimes maples will get verticillium wilt, but that would infect the whole branch, and the branch wouldn't come back. Right. And so because yours is coming back, um, I have a feeling that um, it's just – you know, it's on the northern edge of where it wants to be healthy. And uh, I think uh, it's probably um, 
seeing impact of, of that more than it is of um, jug loan from a black walnut. All right, Bob, thanks a lot for the call. 866-780-9100 is the number. Here's an email from Lisa. She says, I inherited from my mother a large, what I have always thought was Christmas cactus. It is currently blooming and has some light green and even light brown on leaves at the ends of the branches. So uh, the first question is, has it gotten too dry? Sometimes you'll see... Um, the little flattened stem segments get brown edges, and that could be a couple of things. It could be too dry. Really, really dry conditions could do that. Um, really low humidity could mm-hmm. do that. These plants, you know, they are in the cactus family, but they don't grow in the traditional cactus environment. They're actually epiphytes from southeastern Brazil. It, they live in a f- um, kind of, you know, rainforest. rainforest mm-hmm. in, in the, they grow um, kind of in the the crotch angles of trees and stuff like that in the rainforest. So they don't want to dry out like a cactus dries out or like a traditional cactus that we think of dries out. And so if we let them dry out too much, we can sometimes see some of that. The other thing that I've noticed sometimes is if we go through a period where we're doing a really good job of watering and it gets too much water, you'll see some rot develop. And then if you're like, oh, I'm I'm watering this too much and you cut back again, you will see some dieback, which can turn brown um, over time too. So um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, brown's kind of the headache of of symptoms, right? It could be caused by a lot of different things, some of them quite serious and some of them not a big deal at all. So it's kind of hard to know for sure what it is. But those are typically the reasons why we see kind of brown edges on on any of the holiday cactus. All right. And then her second question is, out of curiosity, I just now looked online for a true Christmas cactus. They look exactly like a Thanksgiving cactus to me. How can I be <laughs> sure? The, the, the difference is subtle. <laughs> Very so subtle. Um, can you look at leaf shape? Can can you figure it out? A little bit. Yeah. The, the flower timing <laughs> is one of the, the big help helps the 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 difference in the in the the stem shape those flattened stems on a thanksgiving cactus they tend to have little points on them um whereas a christmas cactus they're rounded almost more scalloped like um so if yours has kind of like almost like little ears or little pointy it's usually two or four Mm -hmm. um two on each one on each side or two on each side is probably a thanksgiving cactus or a hybrid um if it's completely rounded off there's no point at all anywhere it's just more kind of like a scallop or wavy edge uh to those flattened stem segments then it's probably a christmas cactus the other thing that makes this challenging is there's a lot of hybrids. Yeah. Mm. So there's a lot of plants that may look like something in between because its parents are uh, two different species. Um, maybe one of them is a Christmas cactus and one of them is a Thanksgiving yeah, cactus. This, this is why we just skip it and we just call them all holiday cactus <laughs> now because they're going to bloom sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas and maybe even into Easter um, because it's really hard to tell some of them apart. All right. So you just... Feel happy when they bloom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. uh, We've got a couple more questions about holiday cacti. So let's go next to Jack in Des Moines. Hi, Jack. Good morning. Uh, About 51 years ago, I came home and I'm sitting in our house, drinking a hot cup of coffee, eating a scone and listening to you. Thank you. All right. I just want to send a great 
note of appreciation to all you do. Oh, well, th- thank you on behalf of everybody here at IPR, Jack. Did you, did you also have a question oh, about I cacti? I got to give you a rousing stand of applause. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you also Thanks. have a question? I did not. I oh, just wanted to say right. thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jack. Have a, have a great day. Next up, Connie is on the line in Urbandale with a cacti question. Hello, Connie. Hi, I must have a Thanksgiving cactus because it's blooming. And actually, it'll often bloom another time during the year. But usually, its leaves are harder, more like a succulent. And every so often, like now that it's blooming, the leaves almost are like Kleenexes. The only way I could kind of describe them or paper towel, they get really thin and limpy. Um, and th- this may be part of uh, the kind of water and the humidity. It may also be the the use of the kind of carbohydrate from the leaves for the flowering for it to happen. Uh, we, Aaron and I were talking about amaryllis in the break and how much that bulb shrinks when it actually flowers because it's using all those reserves. So that, that may be what is happening uh, to your Christmas cactus too. It's using a lot of those reserves to actually flower and it gets the leaves will kind of get a little limper, um, a little bit. Um, yeah, they're they've they're using all of that carbohydrate to kind of produce um, those flowers. This is also why with some holiday cactus or some winter blooming plants, we give them a little fertilizer after they're done blooming to kind of help uh, replenish a little bit of that la- that loss of of nutrients that have gone into that very stressful but beautiful thing that they do called blooming. So I think that's what I would recommend, Connie, is just maybe uh, water and care for it really well while it's blooming, and then afterwards maybe give it a a slight dose of fertilizer um, to see if that kind of perks it up a little bit um, so that you see less of this um, thinning of the leaves or or kind of wilting wimpiness of the leaves uh, when blooming maybe next year. Connie, thank you so much for the call. 866-780-9100 is the number. Shelly is on the line next in Spencer. Hi, Shelly. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your question? My question is about my canna lily bulbs. These are the ones that get planted outside, and the common is the big red uh, spiky flower it gets on it. And I want to know what's the best way to store those over the winter. Um, These were my dad's, so they're about originally 50 Mm. years old. And I used to get a huge wheelbarrow full of roots. They multiply like rabbits. And Mm -hmm. um, this year and last year, I have not. So I only have just a handful of bulbs left. So I wondered how best to preserve these. Right. Um, So first off, you may have less this year because it was really dry in parts of Iowa um, this year, and you're in kind of a dry area of the state. Um, so cannas really like it kind of moist, and then the rhizomes, they kind of go farther and get bigger um, when they're kind of more moist or wet. So that may okay. be a, a, a clue to kind of maybe water it a, a little bit more um, next summer if it's another uh, dry year. Uh, once you... Once frost has killed the tops of these, you can dig them up. 
Um, uh, they're really fairly easy to store. We have a lot of tender perennials that we can store indoors, and cannas are usually the easiest. Um, but I, I just dig them up. I shake off the soil. I let them dry for a couple of days so I can shake shake off any other excess soil so we're not having any wet spots. And then I bring them in in uh, a, a paper sack or a cardboard box that might be filled with a little bit of uh, newspaper or even uh, vermiculite or perlite or even peat moss just to kind of keep them moist but not wet. Um, and you're going to keep them in a, a okay. place that's about 55, about 55 degrees. So a cool corner of your basement um, is usually a good place. Okay. Um, if you or an attached garage that stays a little warmer um, in the winter might be a good place as well. And then check on them once to make sure there aren't any rotting ones because it spreads pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. uh, just pot them back up in the spring and get them started a little bit earlier uh, in containers, say in March or April. Oh, so that okay. when you're planting outside in June uh, a plant um, and it has a little extra time to kind of grow. Um, that that's a This okay. is a good way to kind of take care of them. And you can propagate them when you pot them up or when you bring them in you can kind of divide them or cut them um, into more uh, but I would I would wait to do this in your case um, until you know you're going to take them outside next spring the other thing I would add if you want to bulk up your cannas mm-hmm. uh, the quantity is canna really does enjoy fertilizer oh yeah so if you do uh, when you're growing them over the summer if you do kind of a regular fertilization every couple of weeks they'll really respond to that, and you'll get a much bulkier root system, and you'll have more of those big fleshy rhizomes to overwinter in future years. And and use that, that soluble for fertilizer so you're adding the water too, so, um, so that they're getting plenty of the water and fertilizer and everything they need. And you can, you can double the number of cannas you have uh, to store for next year. Shelly, thanks a lot for the call. Sue is up next in Johnston. Hi, Sue. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your question? Quick question. Um, I have a I have a copper boiler that I had out on our patio all summer, about twenty inches high, and I think about twenty four inches. It's oval shaped at the widest point. Okay, so I filled it up like three quarters with dirt, and then I planted summer plants on top of it. I've taken out the summer plants. Can I keep using the soil next year, or do I have to start all over? You can keep uh, that soil. Uh, what I like to do is is uh, most of my large containers, I will reuse some of the soil in there, but I'll always introduce some more new soil uh, when I pot things up in the spring. And it sounds like your container is maybe two-thirds full, maybe a half full. That's a great place to overwinter. And then when you add more soil in, it can help uh, kind of boost that up. The, the only challenge, one of the biggest challenges besides potentially transmitting diseases with um, reusing potting soil is over time potting soil will break down into smaller pieces, which means it will become less and less well-drained. And if you were using potting soil over and over and over and over again, you'll notice that it stays wetter longer, but it won't happen all of a sudden. It'll be mm-hmm. something that creeps up on you. So uh, that's where introducing new material each year, even if it's just part of the volume that's in there, can help a lot to um, kind of prevent that from happening. It's expensive to fill a big it container is. like that brand new potting soil every year. So 
uh, freshening it up in the spring is not really a big issue. The the one time I would not use it um, is if a lot of plants died in it. So if you had some disease issues um, at the end of the year um, because it was maybe staying too wet or it wasn't well enough drained, then I would say next year I'd take all of that out, maybe put it on the compost pile and start with something fresh because you can transmit uh, some diseases in some larger containers like that. Sue, thanks for the call. And uh, we've got about a minute left. Kathy has this question. I'd like to replace a pine tree that's dying with a smoke tree. What varieties are best for the Ames area? I'd like something that matures in the 20 to 30 foot range. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of new smoke trees out there. Um, I personally like there's some new chartreuse ones, um, kind of a yellow green color. I think they really pop in the landscape. But there's also a lot of really nice uh, purple reddish purple varieties so the foliage is reddish purple all season and there's two ways you can treat these plants you can cut them back every year and you'll have beautiful foliage but never get flowers or you can let them be and the foliage will be nice uh, but it won't be quite as vibrant but you'll have those wonderful smoky plumes Um, and yeah and if you want one larger yeah at 20 feet then then you're probably going to let it go a couple of years to get bigger and so it can smoke It'll always, kind of cool. it'll always be a, a Dr. Susie like looking yeah. thing, too. <laughs> it, it's, it's not going to have a straight trunk. It's it's going to be kind of a, but you can embrace that. Right. I think it. that's that's probably part of the charm, right? It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. Right. Aaron Style, thank you so much. You're welcome. And Cindy Haynes, thank you. Thanks for having me. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. Cindy Haynes, Professor of Horticulture at Iowa State University. We'll be back next Friday with Horticulture Day. I'm Charity Nebbe.